2: see some to praise the Lord. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound.
3: A big crowd the largest he's had yet, I think. Definitely. I uh, I see people here from Jerusalem,
4: Judea, Peret. Uh, yes, there's somebody from Decapolis and Edumea.
3: And I see, believe it or not, people from Tyre and Sidon. There's not room enough here on the beach for the,
0: the rest of the... The master has instructed me to say that he will lead the way to a level space on the mountainside so that all may see and hear him.
3: Isn't there a
4: better place than behind these bushes? It's ideal, I think. We can see and hear him, but he can't see us. We can whisper and disturb no one.
3: Whisper? Why would we... Oh, yes, I see. We can uh, discuss what he says, deciding if there is anything to report to our superiors. One,
4: two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, nine, twelve! Jesus has twelve
3: disciples. Did he acquire a new one? He must have. Ah, It's that big one sitting on the right elbow of Jesus. Him? Oh, I know him. Name's Judas.
4: Intelligent, talented, but uh, I doubt if he can be trusted. The
3: fact that he...
2: please!
3: Something special is going to happen, I can sense it. Such as what? I don't know. Perhaps a special announcement. Do
4: you think maybe he's going to announce that soon now he will overthrow the Roman yoke and re-establish the
3: Israelite kingdom? The people are expecting something. Look at their faces, especially the faces of those poverty-ridden peasants and fishermen. They hope to hear the assurance that their wretched hovels, the scanty food, their life of toil and fear of want are to be replaced by mansions of plenty and days of ease. The poor are always hoping for that. As
4: for me, I look forward to the day when the Messiah shall overcome the Romans, when we have
3: dominion over them and
4: possess the riches and splendor of
3: the Roman Empire. Personally, I doubt that Jesus is going to say any such thing. He will probably surprise us all, say something entirely different. Make up your mind. Are you for or against Jesus? I am a Pharisee. I obey my superior. I do that which isn't... Shh! The
5: crowd is silent.
3: Jesus is about to speak.
5: Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit? What can he possibly
4: mean by that? To be poor is to have nothing. Certainly he cannot mean that a person with no
3: spirit at all is blessed. I think I understand what he's getting at. Uh, One must feel his own spiritual poverty. Uh, Some are spiritually proud, feel that they are perfect and in need of nothing. Others are contrite and humble of spirit. Those are the ones who are blessed and will inherit the kingdom when it comes. Such deep meanings to such simple words, I doubt it.
5: Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Explain that if you can. Well, it has
3: some deep practical and spiritual meaning, I'm sure. But what? Many people mourn,
4: but this does not stop their suffering. Neither are they comforted. Uh,
3: a mourning brings tears. Uh, tears are frequently the result of mental suffering, of being found out in our sins. Often we are sorry for the results of our bad deeds, and not for the deed itself. This brings no comfort. But real sorrow for sin could, I'm sure, bring comfort. The scripture is written by Jeremiah, has this to say, if I remember correctly. I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and make them rejoice for their sorrow. See, the words of Jesus, though simple, do have a
5: very deep spiritual meaning. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I know
4: that's not true. One has to fight for what one gets. If you are meek, others grab what is rightfully yours. It is only the greedy, the aggressive, who will inherit or get anything.
3: Uh, think of it, uh, well, like this. We, uh, we should... Uh, <laughs> there is no other way to think of it. We'll try anyway. Um, meekness and, and humbleness mean the same thing. Blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Does that make sense? Not much. A humble heart. One who thinks not of himself, but of doing for others. He just might have a better chance to get into the kingdom than a boastful, proud, egotistical person. Uh, Think along those lines.
5: Ah. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled.
4: You need not explain that. I already understand it. If I, uh, if I hunger after anything and work to get it, I will get it.
5: I will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. How true that is.
3: If I smile, I get smiles in return. If I show anger, I get anger. My fellow men treat me as I treat them. I'll admit that
4: Jesus is right in that one. It is nice to show mercy and get mercy in return.
5: Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. Give to every man that asketh of thee. As ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them that love you, what have ye done? Sinners do that. And if you do good to them that do good to you, ye do nothing more than sinners themselves do. And if ye lend for hope of reward, ye do as the sinner who lends to the sinner to receive as much again. Therefore say I unto ye, love your enemies, do good, lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of God, and inherit his kingdom.
2: We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to add these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at one eight hundred six three four zero two three four. 634 234 That's one eight hundred six three four zero two three four. 634 234 Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye.
6: Knock, knock, beep,
1: I'm Sam talking today with Abram, the smartest boy in our school. He gets an A in everything. That's not exactly accurate. I got a B plus once. Really? And what? I don't want to talk about it. The pain is still too fresh. Okay, let's talk about health. I noticed that you do a lot of walking and jogging and bicycle riding. May I ask why? When you have a brain like mine, you've got to keep it in perfect working order. That requires a combination of good food, sound sleep, mental stimulation, and daily exercise. So to be smart, you have to be healthy? Precisely. So what do you do to take care of your brain? I'm glad you asked that question, Sam. First, I care for my body with nutritious meals centered on a whole food, plant-based diet. I refrain from imbibing sugary snacks and highly refined packaged edibles. Next, I stimulate my brain by reading the great words of skilled authors and listening to classical and cultural music selections from around the world. And finally, I succumb to a daily regimen of physical activity that requires a certain degree of exertion. I also floss. Well, it sounds like you're very serious about your health. Absolutely. To do otherwise would be, if I may use a grossly overused adjective, totally dumb. Thank you, Abram, the smartest boy in school. I'm Sam with Live With Sam. Goodbye.
0: God has given us everything we need to be healthy inside and out. During Creation Week, he established a health plan for every creature on Earth. To learn more about healthy living and about the God who created us all, go to kidsbibleinfo.com. That's kidsbibleinfo.com. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists.
7: you've joined me today for another story just for you do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with Thanksgiving present your requests to God Philippians 4 6 I'll pilot if you'll pray by Harold Bosch ceiling 9,000 feet visibility 6 miles surface winds 30 knots Altimeter 3004, taxi north, cleared for takeoff. The plane shuddered as the pilot, Jim Jackson, applied power. Looking out the window, David Fowler watched the ground roll back faster and faster and slowly drop away as they became airborne. The setting sun reflected on the lower side of the wing as they banked, heading for the huge range of mountains to the east. Are you sure we can land on the highway at Manta in the Dark? Elder Fowler asked. Sure, the pilot replied confidently. We'll have a ceiling of 9,000 feet, which means the sky will be clear at that altitude. With no clouds and a six-mile visibility, there should be no problem at all. Elder Fowler sat back in his seat to enjoy the rest of the trip. As the Union president, he had scheduled to visit a mission in the northeastern part of Mexico. During their flight from Mexico City, they had encountered several delays, which forced them to fly at night in order to reach their destination. Manta. Elder Fowler had wanted to wait until morning, but Mr. Jackson had assured him that with such a high ceiling and good visibility, flying would be no problem. Climbing to 12,000 feet to get over the mountains, the plane was soon enveloped in clouds. Mr. Jackson frequently glanced at the instrument panel, making adjustments when necessary. Every few minutes, he flipped on the radio and got his position from the San Luis Potosi Control Center. Elder Fowler sat next to him, his face reflecting the soft red glow of the panel. Except for the blurry image of a red or green light on the tip of each wing, nothing could be seen outside. The steady, monotonous drone of the engine was the only reminder that they were flying. "'We're almost there,' Mr. Jackson's statement woke Elder Fowler. "'I think we're directly over Manta, so we'll start spiraling down.' Slowly, the plane banked and started circling, losing altitude with every round." Inside, the little hand on the altimeter recorded the steadily diminishing distance between the plane and the ground. 10,000 feet, Mr. Jackson said. According to the weather report, we should break out of this cloud at about 9,000 feet and be in clear atmosphere. Reaching behind the seat, Elder Fowler got his briefcase and then flipped on the interior lights. He leafed through the papers until he found the one with the names and addresses of the Adventist workers at Manta. Then he settled back in his seat and looked out the window. All he could see was a fuzzy light, way out on the tip of the wing. Jim, we'll stay in Monta until the middle of tomorrow afternoon, and then go on to Montemorelos, okay? That's fine. You're the boss. The only hint of movement was the moving hand of the altimeter as the plane lost altitude. Elder Fowler yawned frequently to pop the pressure in his ears. Nine thousand feet... We should break out of this any minute now, Mr. Jackson announced. Looking out his window, Elder Fowler hoped to see the lights of the small town below. But again, all he saw was the blurred wing light, blurred because the plane was still in clouds. Looking back at Mr. Jackson, he noticed that he was staring intently at the altimeter. What's wrong, Jim? Looks like the ceiling's dropped. We're at 8,000 feet and still in clouds. Both men turned and looked out. Neither spoke for a long time. "'6,000 feet,' Mr. Jackson said slowly. "'Clouds are thick as ever,' Elder Fowler commented. "'Jim, are you sure we're over Manta?' "'I'm pretty sure. I got my position when we started descending, but I'll check again.' He flipped on the radio and picked up the microphone. "'San Luis Potosi, this is zero six Lima.' The call letters of the plane were zero six l "'Come in, zero six Lima.' "'Request weather report for Manta area and position of 06 Lima.' "'Position of zero six Lima, one mile southeast of Manta,' the voice on the radio reported. "'Weather for Manta and area, ceiling 9,000 feet.' The two men sat staring out at the darkness. "'4,000 feet,' Mr. Jackson muttered. He peered out the window for the first clue that they were out of the clouds, but the lights on the wingtips were still as blurred as before.' I don't know what's happened, but we can't turn back, Mr. Jackson said. His voice had lost its reassuring confidence. I'll pilot this plane if you'll pray. Elder Fowler realized that they were in serious trouble. They had to land, but were they over Manta? If not, what was the ground like? How far down did this cloud layer go? Realizing that he could do nothing to help the pilot, Elder Fowler began to pray to the God who had saved him before. 2,000 feet? I don't know how far down to go and be safe, Mr. Jackson said grimly. Each man, praying his own prayer, sat silent in the circling plane. Mr. Jackson continued to slowly lose altitude. 1,000 feet. Neither man spoke. Both focused their attention on the altimeter as the hand moved, showing their continuous, steady loss of altitude. 900 feet and still in the clouds. Mr. Jackson looked out at the fuzzy light on the wing. Suddenly, it cleared. Taking his gaze from the light on the wing to what was below, he saw a small cluster of lights just to the north. That was Monta. The altimeter read 800 feet. Taking a deep breath, Mr. Jackson shifted in his seat. All we need now is some light on the highway and we can land, he said. The little plane circled the town a few times until a man down below, who had flown before, realized that the plane needed light on the highway. He gathered as many cars and trucks as he could in the little town and lined them up along the side of the highway with the lights on. Mr. Jackson made a wide circle and lined up for landing. Suddenly, Elder Fowler felt the plane go into a steep climb. What happened, Jim? A truck pulled out onto the highway where I wanted to land. I'll have to make another approach. Coming around the second time, Mr. Jackson lined up and started losing altitude again. Seeing that the road was clear, he set the plane gently on the highway and taxied to a halt, thankful that God had answered their prayers. Early the next morning, the two men left their little motel room to put their luggage in the plane before visiting the workers there at Manta. Mr. Jackson walked to the road to see where they had landed the night before. "'Dave, come here.' His voice was tense. "'Look!' Elder Fowler walked over. When he saw what Mr. Jackson was pointing at, he stopped. There, crossing the highway where they had landed the night before, were a huge series of high-tension wires. We pulled up and landed under those wires, Mr. Jackson said. I don't know how we missed hitting them. The two men turned and went back to their hotel room. There, they again thanked God for protecting them the night before.
0: children come
5: Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net